the Nothing But Nets podcast. Greg, Dennis, joining me as always. Greg, uh, any news to talk about today? Uh, yeah, Bembry got waived. I think we should do a deep dive on that. <laughs> no, this is this is going to be um, a blockbuster podcast. We talked all year about the possibility of James Harden being traded today after a week of conflicting reports and lead up. We got the bomb we've all been waiting for. James Harden sent to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, two picks, and Andre Drummond. Dave, your thoughts and reaction. It's just crazy to think about these podcasts we've done. I remember, was it two or three weeks ago, we were saying, could is it possible that this year is the big three's final run? And we kind of thought that was like a hot take. <laughs> And well, Dave, I mean, if I recall, you you now in hindsight correctly placed the odds at around 40% of the big three lasting past this year. So, you know, I think I think you were onto something. Yeah, it was like I said something around 40 something percent just like minutes before Woj went on the news. I think it was the day after the Jake Fisher report from Bleacher Report citing specific reasons James Harden wants out. When we now know that he truly did want out and the Nets believed him enough to make this trade happen, um, we well, let's get to that in a little bit. But some of those reasons now look pretty, pretty wild. And I'm, I'm still trying to suss out what the heck just happened because the whole thing caught me by surprise. Um, I said it pretty confidently just a couple days ago, we still would not see a trade just because I thought the Nets had a lot of reasons to plow through the deadline and give this a shot. You know, not, not just because they said it, cause they had incentive to say, to say it, but because of the math too, because of all the moving parts and the fact that we hadn't seen the Nets big three play more than like 16 regular season games and a few, a few playoff games. So they had so many reasons to maybe give this a shot. Um, that the whole thing is fascinating to me and it's, it's humbling to write as often as I do and to have these pods because you see how often you're wrong and change your mind. Yeah. You know, we spoke a week ago today and remember really harping on James Harden, James Harden's performance against Sacramento, which turned out to be his last game as a member of the Nets. And just, you know, saying, like, this is a major red flag. And in hindsight, I wish I would have had the balls to say that will be James Harden's last game as a net. (laughs) He is clearly, clearly quit on the team. But I stopped a little short of that, and I just said it was a red flag and that it's a, you know, really bad sign that with KD out, he basically didn't show up for that game. In hindsight, that was that game was a threat. I think that game was a threat. If we can look back and say that now confidently, that he was signaling to Nets front office and officials, I'm done. Get me out of here. You don't want an unhappy James Harden on your team because this is what it looks like. And I think the Nets, with a little bit of time to reflect, 
they, you know, basically decided they had a good deal on the table. They, they didn't think Harden was going to stay with them and they pulled the trigger. Yeah. Now real quick, do you, do you like the trade for the Nets? Um, I know that at one point earlier today, we spoke before we recorded and you thought that, that you might plow through the deadline and try to get a similar type of package in the off season, right? With that in mind, how do you feel about the return the Nets got here? Well, what I'll say about the deal is this. Um, if James Harden didn't want to be traded, the Nets don't make this deal. With that said, it's still a, it's still a very good trade, and it's a very intriguing trade. Um, because you get younger, you get more athletic, you get back um, a little more depth, and you get a guy in Ben Simmons who, you know, we're all enamored with. We see his talent. He seems to be a perfect fit in theory with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But even with all that said, I think that if Harden simply tells the Nets, that he's committed to the team, then they're not even entertaining this deal. Now, now, Woj said several times, I think as recently as this past Monday, that he has said that, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash, um, they all basically said, we've heard from James, we want to take him at his word. And and Woj said that. I I think we can look back at that now and, and basically determine that, uh, that was not true. That that was a public negotiating, public negotiation ploy at best, and at worst, Harden was, um, you know, giving mixed signals behind closed doors. Giving mixed signals, or you know, kind of not wanting to take that final step of um, breaking up with them. You know, maybe maybe he's. Maybe he's saying like, yeah, you know, let's just play this season out and see. But then like you see him sulking, you see him complaining, you hear from his um, circle that he's leaving. And so, you know, you take a guy by his actions over his words when it comes down to it. Now, is there a part of you that thinks James Harden, he turned down a, a very large four-year extension in October um, that could have he could have done, you know, basically tantamount to opting in, tacking on another 160 to 180, I think it was. Uh, had he gone to the offseason and wanted to tr- change teams, Daryl Morey could have hit like the nuke button on his own roster and used picks to create a max cap spot. But even then, now Harden's getting 209 million, which is like 60, 61 million less than he would. It benefits him to do this deal because now he can position himself where the Sixers have his bird rights um, or he opted in, which is ultimately what he chose. So now he can make the most possible 274, 75 million, I think it is, um, through his age 37 season. Is there part of you Mm -hmm. that said this player wasn't leaving 60 million on the table? The Sixers haven't traded Tobias Harris yet. They do not have a max contract. It might be difficult for them to do so. Why don't we call everyone's bluff, try to go win the title, uh, and then this type of package, or at least 80% of it, will be waiting for us on draft day? Why didn't they do that? I, th- I think 
I think you raise a great point. And I think that they probably strongly considered taking that position. My guess would be now that they've made the deal that the overriding thinking was essentially, we just don't want a guy that doesn't want to be here that's planning to leave. Um, especially Harden, who we've seen what it looks like when he doesn't want to be somewhere. We saw that in Houston last year. We've seen that over the last month or so in, in Brooklyn. And I think they just decided, you know what? This is a good deal. Um, you know, Harden is probably going to leave. Yes, like maybe everything everything goes right the rest of the way, even though it hasn't, even for two weeks over the last year, and everything hits perfectly and we win a championship. But, you know, at the end of the day, I just think they decided we, we don't want James an unhappy James Harden on the team. And, you know, I don't think you can say that that was the right move or the wrong move, but it is understandable. Some of the reporting about some of the most credible reporting from Jake Fisher was the reasons why he had a wandering eye. Uh, among those cited, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, Steve Nash's end of game rotations. I was very suspicious of this one at the time because you know, the team had had up to 10 players in protocol. They had Kyrie Irving out of the lineup. They had a million injuries. It didn't make sense to be frustrated that Nash was toggling guys in and out of his rotations because he really didn't have much choice. He was trying to find ways to win one night. Cam Thomas might have it going another night. James Johnson looked really good, but that stuff always changed. Um, so I wonder, and then obviously there was Kyrie Irving part-time player, and we went back and forth about if that's truly a reason for James Harden to leave. Well, there's now more reason than ever to wonder if that might be resolved as New York, you know, from the state level at least, talks about repealing some of these vaccine and mask mandates. So when you look back at that, and then there's all that stuff about his fit, and I found those strange too because it makes sense that his fit wasn't ideal when the big three weren't out there, but when you saw them play in mid January against first place, Chicago bulls, it didn't look like any team in the league could have beat them when they were all healthy and on the lineup. So looking back at those, do you think that those reasons that we read about were the true reasons why he wanted to leave? Or are those more like the reasons you give publicly when you know you want to leave to let them down gently in, in such? It's a great question because the immediate reaction to this trade is I think I think a lot of people from the outside, they're looking at it and they're just like, well, why did Harden want to leave? Right. You know? He's got Kevin Durant there. What's to leave? What's to leave? I mean, he, this was one of one of his preferred destinations when he wanted out of Houston. Obviously, it hasn't gone according to plan, but like everything they've ever wanted is still on the table. It's still there for the taking. And so why did he want to leave? Is it really that he didn't like living in Brooklyn? Um, is it, you know, like you mentioned the rotations. Cause he could doesn't have really Nash fired probably if he wanted to, or he could, like you speculated a week or two ago, if he wanted to sign a five-year deal, he might've been able to get Kyrie Irving traded if he was refusing to get vaccinated and was only a part-time player. So it seems like 
he had the the power if he wanted to use it between now and his next contract to get some of the, to resolve some of those quote unquote like problems that he had with the Nets. It doesn't make sense that those would be problems you leave for. I agree. I agree. You know, the only thing I could think, you know, he was in Houston for a long time. He had a really long run of success. 10 years where he was just, you know, everything was built around him. And sometimes when that happens, it doesn't matter what you do right after that. It, it, it's, it's a difficult adjustment. doesn't matter if it's a relationship or a job. If you're in one thing for a long time and then you move to the next, that's why they call it a rebound, you know? And so I wonder if he's in Houston, he's ready to move on, but the next thing, it's just a difficult adjustment. And he knows that he's going to be a free agent again. And he's just thinking like, well, is this what I want to do the rest of my career? And he knows that he has these ties with the Philly front office, some of the ownership. They're a good team. There's another guy there who, in theory, could complement his skill set. And maybe he just says, you know what? Before I commit to this for the twilight of my career, I think I'm going to want to make this other move. I don't know. That's just that's just speculation because, like you've alluded to, it doesn't fully make sense why James Harden would want to leave Kevin Durant, who we know he has a relationship with, going back to Oklahoma City, Kyrie Irving, and everything the Nets have built there. So I don't know. What's your, what's your best theory on why he wants out? It's great. It's a great question. It's easier to answer for me from the team side. I could say, oh, it's an, obviously a combination of factors. We're a little bit scared he's going to walk for nothing. We're a little bit scared of keeping him and paying him $60 million in one season when he's 37. We're a little bit scared of what it would look like if he didn't want to be here, but was here under contract. Um, and then, you know, maybe forced to opt in and play for here a year and a half. Cause we didn't want to trade him. So that is easier to guess. If you, if you had to say, Dave, you have to pick one, which one of those was the most important to Sean Marks. I'd probably say him leaving for nothing is the scariest, even if it wasn't the most likely scenario. And the others follow that, you know, him playing. Now I, I think he would have played hard if, Kevin Durant came back healthy to the lineup and they had a chance to win a title. I think he wants to win a lot of titles. Um, I think they were, would have been fair to worry as you speculated a few weeks ago that they could win the title and he'd leave like Kawhi Leonard did, you know, this isn't where I want to play the next four or five years. I got what I wanted and now I'm going to find something else. I think like you said, he might've had some of that. One of the phrases that the bleach report post called it was he had that central magnate vibe when he was in Houston and Daryl Morey might, woo him in that way and promise him things like that. But to your question, like what's Harden's biggest reason? I don't know. I I look at the reasons that we've heard about and I'm thinking none of them are completely wrong. Sure. It frustrated him to have different lineups. I'm sure it frustrated him that Kyrie Irving was in and out of the lineup. I'm sure it frustrated him that he was being asked to be basically a point guard and on some nights carry the load when he signed up for being a three headed monster. But none of those, I look at Philly and say that solves these issues. Or none of these, I think to myself and say, he couldn't fix that if he just spoke up to Sean Marks and said, you've got to get Steve Nash out of here. He probably could have made that happen within here. So then I start to wonder, well, what else could it be? Did he not love playing with Kevin Durant? Could it be something about his style of play? You know, does, does 
playing on the wing with a guy as good as Durant make him feel like a beta when he wants to feel like an alpha. And he doesn't yet know how that might feel playing with Joel. So he looks at it as this blank canvas that might bring me everything I want or make me feel like I used to feel in Houston. I have no idea. I'm just speculating, but I'm guessing something about playing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving wasn't as appealing to him as we thought it might be. Yeah. I mean, we have to, we have to infer that, but it is, it is a huge question mark. Um, now, as far as, uh, as far as the Sixers, I think, um, you know, you look at this trade in the context of in-season trades. Um, and to me, it's, it's as big of a trade as I can recall happening in season. There was, I remember the Rasheed Wallace trade. The Pistons go on to win it that year. Uh, Clyde, I don't remember. Clyde Drexler was, in season, Rockets championship. Clyde Drexler in season. So, I mean, if Pau, you're the Pau Sixers, Gasol. that Pau Gasol, great, great, great point. I mean, if you're the Sixers, I think you do have reference points to look at and be like, you know, this can work. But you, you can bring in a guy like Harden in the middle of the season and if everything clicks, you can win a championship. Um, so that's that's the model that they're going for. And I don't I don't ever recall two teams that are both really going for it that season, making a trade of this magnitude in the middle of the year. You know where where there's where there's a good chance that they will have to get through each other to get to where they want to go, trading major parts like this. I think that's what makes it such a fascinating trade. Let's let's pivot a little bit to the net side of things and what they're getting and talk about that. Um, you mentioned briefly at the top, they get Ben Simmons. They're also getting Seth Curry. There was a lot of reporting about the teams haggling over the inclusion of Matisse Thibel. They got a couple picks. Um, and then fans quickly started speculating, would they reroute these picks right away? What what was your thoughts on that? Did you were you hoping as a Nets fan that they would use those picks right away and maybe attach them to a player like Joe Harris, whose health for the rest of this season is in question? Or do you like having that knowing Kevin Durant signed long term, Ben Simmons is signed long term? Maybe we get Kyrie, uh, and then we have these over the course of the next three four years to to save. Yeah, I mean you go back to the original Harden trade. They gave up what was it? Three or four first round picks, Jared Allen, Karis picks, LeVert. Picks and swaps for like a decade. And swaps. So you replenish your your draft picks a little bit, which I think is probably a big deal. first won't be great. Um, but that Sixers 2027 opens up a who knows what of Joel Embiid's future health. On um, that team, James Harden may not age as well as the Sixers are hoping. So that, that pick might have value in the near term, someone thinks. I'd love to bet on the Sixers' long-term future being ugly. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I'm sure they shopped around to see what they could get with those picks, but... Didn't have a lot um, of time, but yeah. Didn't have a lot of time. As far as Seth Curry, I mean, you can never have enough shooting. I'm sure that if he's not starting, then he'll be you know, six man type of guy off the bench, maybe at home games when Kyrie isn't playing, he is starting, but you know, he's, 
He's shown himself to be a really good offensive player. Defensively, we know he's a liability, especially in the playoffs. We saw that last year in the Atlanta series. But I think that, you know, that's a nice, really nice addition for the Nets. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that they would have loved to have gotten, gotten Matisse, Thibault, but, it, you know, probably in the negotiations – the, net, the Sixers were probably looking at it, well, wait, if we give you Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibault, then you're going to be, you know, pretty well equipped pretty well equipped to handle James Harden in the playoffs. So, you know, there's a lot going on there. There was a game between the two teams last season when Harden was basically teeing off on the Sixers because they put Danny Green on him. Doc Rivers after the game said, I wanted to see how that went because I know James can put you in foul trouble. When they put Ben Simmons on him, the Sixers went on like a 16-point run um, to bury the Nets who were shorthanded that game. I remember it well. And thinking, I've never seen a player play Harden as well as that other than maybe Kawhi Leonard, maybe Lou Dort. But, uh, but Simmons' defense was certainly up there. He's the kind of player who Steve Nash now gets. Nash loves to play these switch-heavy lineups he can get kind of creative now. I know he lost Bembry, but with Nick Claxton, we have seen the Nets play some of their best ball defensively. To have Claxton and Simmons in a single lineup um, offers you quite a bit defensively. And then surrounding him with Joe Harris, Patty Mills at one point, Durant and Kyrie, uh, it, it gives the Nets a lot of punch. And I think for the most part, my feeling is that people are underestimating Simmons' ability to be close to approximating Harden's value sooner than later. You know, maybe people would say in the next three or four years he might, but I think he might play very, very well soon and surprise some people with how good he is going to be. Sam Amick noted he might need a couple weeks to ramp up, obviously, but. Yeah, I mean, that's the wild card. You know, is Ben Simmons going to come in and with the change of scenery be closer to fulfilling the potential that we all have seen in him over the years or is you know is is he going to be closer to the guy we saw down the stretch of last season into the second round of the playoffs that's the mystery but that's what the nets are banking on and you know i think i think you're right <clears throat> I think that it is very possible that we might look back and say, hey, you know, the Nets, they, they got to get out of jail free card with this trade because Harden, we've seen the signs of decline. Ben Simmons is still only 25 years old. And now he gets to go to a situation where he's in theory, you know, kind of, kind of a perfect fit. So it'll be really interesting to see. If they yeah, if they use him in the way that the Warriors use Draymond Green, I think that's the best, you know, offensive version you get. I'm not expecting Ben to add a jumper, although, and I don't think he would need to add a jumper in order to be a terrific value for them. If he if he provides like Queen of the Chess poor defense, or you put him on a Trey Young one night and put him on a Giannis the next, that's pretty freaking valuable. And then offensively, you could do, you know, he's never played well with the three-point pull-up threat where he can screen and roll. 
He's played with somewhat Jimmy Butler, who didn't like to take the three. He's played with some of his best career games actually came at Barclays Center when Joel Embiid was out of the lineup. Um, and he would be playing with like a Howell Neto, a Furkan Korkmaz, maybe an Al Horford. So I think that Nets fans have seen some of the best version of Simmons and Sixers fans have seen a lot of the version of Simmons where they leave him in the dunker spot. I was already starting to joke that the Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond lineups is going to be Nets fans headache now that they're going to hope they don't see that because you do want to surround Ben with as much shooting as possible. Um, But yeah, I think it's a good fit. And I think Kevin Durant will probably enjoy playing with him. He's a really unselfish player. Never have to, think about standing around and watching him dribble like you might have if if it turns out if it comes out someone says that's part of the reason they didn't love playing with James Harden or that's why he didn't want to be here because he wants to do a lot more of that that's not the case with Ben the ball really moves quickly totally agree so you know a year ago this trade this exact trade Simmons for Harden almost went down and you know, here we are a year later and it actually does. Do you think that either team would have made this trade had had the respective superstars not been um, unhappy? Like, do you think either team likes this trade at face value or do you think that the main motivation is simply that their guy wants out? It's, it's a great question. I don't know. Looking at it from the Sixers side, I think that they probably would have considered this. They are, you know, Daryl Morey loves James Harden. That's the one thing he can't quit. <laughs> so it's hard to mm-hmm. say that no, with Ben Simmons playing, he wouldn't have, but maybe the timing is different. You know, if Ben was in that lineup and playing well, watching James Harden either dog it or be, have a nagging hamstring injury and he had a hand strain um he's had two two MRIs in the last week and a half or two weeks so take that for what it's worth maybe the Sixers say let's just see how we look the rest of the year and revisit this come summer if if they had it all but maybe not maybe they just uh maybe they just pull the trigger either way from the Nets I think it's a lot about hard wanting out more so I think they would have just given this a chance all, all year long, we've been hearing that he's promised them he wants to sign long-term, and they believe him. Joe Sy said before the year, he said he wants to retire in Brooklyn, and we take him at his word. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, how, how much of this was, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving's decision? You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's a fair question to ask. We've, we've stated before on podcasts that, Durant and Kyrie were kind of the original duo to want to make this move. Harden comes in later. He's kind of the third wheel. Kyrie decides not to get vaccinated. Durant backs him publicly at every step of the way. How much of that rubs Harden the wrong way? I don't know. We may never know. But, you know, it's crazy to think that a year after these three got together, we only saw them 16 times. They look completely unstoppable and we'll never see them again. <laughs> it's, it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. I think Zach Lowe had a line like, you know, this could be the best theoretical offense, the best theoretical team, but it just doesn't happen. We don't get to see it. So I guess that's going to be its lasting legacy with phrases like that. They were on paper, something that they never got the chance to be. And then, as time moves on, we're going to look at it as like, I can't believe I ever thought that might work. 
But I think it could have worked. I think they would have won a couple titles if they were all healthy. I think they would have won last year's title if two of the three were healthy. Okay, another question for you. Sixers, Nets face each other in the second round. Both teams fully healthy. Who's favored in that series? Sixers will be favored uh, at this point. Kyrie Irving is eligible for 10 more games. So they're probably not looking at a very, very high seed here. Durant's going to be out for another couple weeks, I would think. Ben Simmons is going to need a couple weeks. So they're going to be working hard to avoid the plan. I mean, there's a non-zero chance that they lose in a home game that Irving's not even eligible for to like the Toronto Raptors. Um, so there are some, some doomsday scenarios here for the Nets, and they had to accept those when they made the steal. A healthy Harden would have probably helped them more in that regard the second half of the year, not having to, you know, reintroduce a player who hasn't played since June and was playing very poorly in June offensively at that time too. So I think the Sixers have a little bit, you know, Embiid's playing like the best player on the planet right now. And if you could load manage Harden and get his minutes down two or three minutes per game, he was fourth overall in the league. Um, that would go very well for them without much of a learning curve, in my opinion. But when you give the Nets more time to ramp up, if you found some sort of resolution for Irving where he could play full time, I, I might go the other way on that whole thing. So it's tricky. What do you think? It is tricky. I will tell you that since the time of the trade, the Nets are now plus 450 to win the East. So much lower. The Sixers are now plus 600 to win the East. So, or I'm sorry, to win the whole thing. To win the whole thing. Wow. So, I mean, the Sixers, the Sixers made a huge are, leap. Yes, the Sixers made a huge leap because they're essentially replacing Seth Carter with James Hart. That's, that's, that's basically what they're doing. They're, they're a half game out of the top seed, and they just replaced Seth Curry with James Harden. And for the Nets, um, they, you know, they obviously have a lot of questions with Ben Simmons. I don't know when we'll see him. That's the other issue is, like, normally you'd like to let a guy who hasn't played for nine months ramp up, get into peak condition, get mentally ready. But with the Nets, I mean, they don't want to finish in the play-in, as you just said. So they want to get him out there as soon as possible. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the timeline on everything is. Yeah, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about the fact that they – I mean, I know we mentioned it, but they didn't use these picks. They they did not trade Joe Harris. So they, they get to keep Patty Mills. They get to onboard Seth Curry. They do have some shooting, and an under-talked-about under element is uh, Andre Drummond, and maybe he'll be able to help them because this team is very light on the front court, and Drummond is extremely useful in certain lineups and certain matchups. Yeah, I, I, like, I like Drummond as a regular season innings eater. I'm not sure that he can really play a lot of minutes in the playoffs, but that remains to be seen. Um, I'll tell you this. I like him know. much better in Steve Nash's roster than I did in Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers plays him 15 minutes no matter what, and he's going to do that in the playoffs. Nash has shown that he's going to play LaMarcus Aldridge, and then one night, no matter how well Aldridge is shooting, he's going to sit him uh, because it's not a great fit. So he's much more cognizant, in my opinion, of the opponent and, and 
matching his personnel to that opponent. So I think they're in less danger having a tool like Drummond on the roster than the Sixers were. Totally, totally agree. I mean, Drummond could, you're right. I mean, he fills, he really fills the need for the Nets. So it's a different, it's a different thing. Blockbuster episode. And I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. I can't wait for some of the sleuthing to begin so we can like maybe figure out more of why James wanted to leave. Uh, I feel like I have a better handle on why the Nets were suddenly okay with that, but fascinating uh, that he wanted to leave a team that had Kevin Durant. And, you know, one last note before we go. Yeah. I remember a trade that took place about 20 years ago. It reminds me a little of this. Young, phenom, talent, Stefan Marbury. A little bit older guy at the tail end of his prime, Jason Kidd. Trade places. No one's really sure how it's going to go. There's a lot of debate over who wins the trade. Kidd takes the Nets two straight finals. Wins an MVP. Did he win an MVP? I don't know. Maybe he did. He didn't. He he didn't. Duncan won it that year, but (laughs) Duncan won it. You're right. We felt we felt at the time that kid deserved it. That's right. That's right. This trade has some notes of that, doesn't it? Harden kind of coming over. You feel like have we seen the best of this guy? He's never won a ring, but we all know how good he is. And kid getting you've got gets to an absolute perfect scenario. Perfect scenario. He secures his legacy. He, he really, you know, plays the best basketball of his career with the Nets. And, you know, this reminds me a little of that. And you then know, you've got Ben Simmons. You know, but Coach Bob Fate is who Jason Kidd worked with to learn to shoot, who happened to work with Blake Griffin, who for the next pod we got to talk about has dated the same girl as Ben Simmons. I think Kendall Jenner, right? Definitely a separate podcast. (laughs) So, so (laughs) there, there could be some awkward moments talking about their ex um, or maybe not, maybe they'll bond over it. Who knows? But, (laughs) but you brought up Jason Kidd, and uh, I think that's a player that Ben Simmons has been compared a lot to over the course of his young career. So I like it. I like it a lot. Good stuff. Exciting times ahead. Yeah. Uh, blockbuster season is over. It's not often that you get one. We got one today. And uh, there's, there's plenty more to unpack. Keep following along at Clutch Points. Greg, is there anything you want to plug? Do you want to plug your Twitter? Do you want to tell – want to uh, No. My, my Twitter, really, I just promote your tweets. So, <laughs> you know, if you follow Dave, you don't need to follow me, but you're more than welcome to. All right. On that note, we'll wrap Thanks so much. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Take care.